0: I was scrolling through my old photos trying to find a, a video of uh, Josiah and I came across this picture and this morning, this is our uh, guest speaker this morning, Sheriff Ira Edwards. Sh- Sheriff, will you raise your hand and y'all give him a hand. We're going to. So he's uh, hugging me. You can tell by the hair product that that's me and um, but uh, this was at the National Day of Prayer, and it, it was funny because I heard uh, Sheriff Auer pray, and my I had this thought as I said, "We've got the same Father," <laughs> and and there, so there was just a spirit witness where I I really liked the spirit that was on this man, and uh, so I came up to him and just. Wanted to uh, show my appreciation for him and also just love him because it was like a, I found a, a a family member I didn't know was in the I had a, another family member you know so I just wanted to just wanted to hug him I don't know have you ever just had that you just say like, I just want to hug this person I don't even have anything to say necessarily I just want to hug this person so it was like that for uh, Sheriff Ira and I'm so thankful that he is our sheriff in Clark County somebody say Amen because we have, he is a man uh, of integrity, he's a man who loves Jesus, and he's got, the word of God is hidden in his heart. Um, every time I talk to him, the word comes out as just a part of his speech, and you just can't ever go wrong when the word of the Lord's in your mouth, So, and in your heart, sir. So, uh, he's going to be sharing with us this morning, and uh, I want to yeah, that's the last one. And so um, we had a uh, Pastors Reconciliation. I'm part of a, um, I guess, a panel of of pastors, black and white, in our city that are having conversations about racial reconciliation and but also trying to come up with practical uh, solutions to help um, that situation. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, – we talk about is trying to bring jobs in for in particular black males because to try to get out of any cycle of poverty that there is and then um, we had Sheriff Edwards in because he he has a unique position a unique perspective because he's as you know if you've watched the news the past couple of years there's been a lot of conflict in the nation with um, law enforcement and and there's been killings and you know and everybody has opinions but here's a here's a black man who loves jesus who's law enforcement and i just felt like it would be valuable to hear what he has to say on the issue and and so um we're honored to have you here this morning sheriff and we're so thankful for you and just thankful most of all for your heart and and how big it is and uh he's doing amazing things at the jail and outside of uh, he's he, he doesn't see the jail as a jail he sees it as a uh, a rehab and reforma- reformation center so i want to let you just talk more about that or whatever you want to do y'all sheriff come on up here and y'all give a hand for sheriff Edwards
1: Good morning, everyone. This is the day that the Lord has made. And we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Can I get a witness? Now, uh, I'm from an old Pentecostal church, so if you don't say amen, we're going to stay here until 3 (laughs) o'clock. So can I get an amen? Amen. All right, it is uh, wonderful to be here, and I would like to thank Pastor Travis and his first lady, beautiful wife, Jessica. Uh, We had a conversation earlier before the services, and I tell you, I learned something. Jessica and I are from the same hometown, (gasps) Dublin, Georgia, (laughs) all right. And that is that was just such a blessing, which confirms another connection. And um, I just thank God for this opportunity. And uh, I'm going to be done in 30 minutes, I promise you, because I, you know, I, I like to have fun, too. And I know in black churches, you know, we go two or three hours. But in white churches, 30 minutes, you're looking at your clock. <laughs> Not this white church. all right, all right, all right. Glory, glory, glory. Well, that's good to know. We're going to until 3 o'clock. <laughs> Can I get an amen? They say, if you're saying something, yeah, uh-huh, right. We, you know, we'll go. But if you ain't saying nothing, shut up. Right. Amen. You know, I um, would like to once again thank you all, the Awakening, for allowing me to be a part of your services in the body of Christ. This is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. Did you know that the most segregated time of the week is Sunday? It is. And and, and we've got to do something about that. Because at the end of the day, there's no black church, there's no white church. It's Jesus' church, Jesus' church. Amen? Amen. And when we get to heaven, it's not going to be a white side over here. A black side over here, a Puerto Rican side over here, and a Hispanic side over there. We used to sing a song in the old black church when all of God's children get together. What a time, what a time, what a time. Now, how do I operate this thing? Just just advance. Okay, then. All right. I'm 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 not that computer savvy at times. So all right, so. Brother Travis asked me to speak, and as I was praying about what it is, God, that you would desire for your people to hear, and this came to mind, and, and, and let me start by saying this is not political. It's not a political move. It's not a political strategy. It's not for you to reelect me in two more years but just in case you would like to I'm working for your boat. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with that. So, make America again. How many of you hear that at least one time or a couple of times out of the week? If you're looking at the media, you're looking at the news, we are seeing this: Make America great again. It's the mantra that, become, that has become ingrained in the national consciousness over the last two years, both embraced and scorned by millions. Let's Make America Great Again was first used in President Ronald Reagan' 1980 presidential campaign when the United States was suffering from a worsening economy at home marked by stagflation. Using the country's economic distress as a springboard for his campaign, Reagan used the slogan to stir a sense of patriotism among the American voters. Trump himself began using the slogan, formally on November the 7th, 2012, the day after Barack Obama won his re-election against Mitt Romney. He first considered, we will make America great, but did not feel like it had the right ring to it. Make America Great was his next name. But upon further reflection, he felt that it was a slight to the American because it implied that America was never great. After selecting Make America Great Again, Trump immediately had an attorney register it, which would later become his mantra to run for the president of the United States. But what, what does this mantra really truly mean? Has it brought our nation together? Or has it divided us even more? How does it parallel from a biblical perspective? How would Jesus define making America great again? I have heard religious leaders and I've heard Christians across the country repeat this slogan. With all implication, it brings that things are bad now. But stay tuned. They will be great. You just wait and see. The best is yet to come. Is our definition of making America again in sync with Jesus' definition? What is his definition of great? Well, let's go to the word of God and let's just see what he has to say about the matter. If you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verse 35 through 45. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. When you get it, say Amen. And it reads in verse 35 Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever. We ask, and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? And with the baptism I am am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers Over the Gentiles, Lord, over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whosoever desires to become great. Somebody say, whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever you desire to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So let's take a look at the background. We have an account here of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Asking for more power and authority, despite the continual declaration of Jesus' suffering or his coming suffering. Their belief was when Jesus got to Jerusalem, he would establish a political kingdom, and therefore they were putting their name in the hat to become great. You remember that, Tony Tigers, you know, on the Frosty's fleet. It is great. They wanted to be Jesus' right and left-hand man in a position of authority and power. They were asking for the position of high status in Jesus' administration. So, first of all, James and John, as we see here, they were the sons of Zebedee. And by the way, you know, as I was doing my study, Brother Travis, it came to me why they were really asking because they were Jesus' cousin. They were trying to get in the pocket. In other words, Jesus. Now, you know, James and John, you know, we're your homeboys. As a matter of fact, we're your cousins. You know how we do when we make it in life sometimes, and then you find relatives coming out of the woodwork. You didn't even know that they were your relatives. And all of a sudden, you've made it, and now they're coming out of the woodworks and say, hey, break me off something. Don't forget me now. And so this is what we have. James and John, they are the sons of Zebedee. They believed that Jesus would establish a kingdom in Jerusalem and were not concerned about the suffering, as I had mentioned. So they were not concerned, never mind that Jesus was telling them the whole while that, hey, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die. But they was like, oh, no, 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 not, not really. Really? So they had their eyes on a political kingdom versus the kingdom of God. May I pose this question this morning? Where are your eyes this morning? Are they on trying to get more and more and more and more and more? Versus if you're seeking the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, all of these other things that we desire, He said, would be added. So the topic is about who amongst the disciples, in other words, would be the greatest. As a matter of fact, Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 34 confirms it as we back up before we get to chapter 10. It says, And they came to Capunium. When he was safe at home, he asked, what were you discussing on the road? So in other words, Jesus is asking them, what are you guys discussing? And then, of course, you know, it's kind of like when the kids, when mom and dad come to the house, you fussing and fighting. And then when mom and dad come to the house, all of a sudden you straighten up. So the disciples were squabbling, in other words, who was going to be the greatest? Who was going to sit on Jesus' right hand and his left hand? not only James and John but all of the disciples they were arguing who is going to be the greatest and all of a sudden what were you discussing on the world on the road the silence was deafening all of a sudden they all became quiet because Jesus walked in and they did not want him to know not knowing they should have known that he is omnipresent and he knows it all. So he was just basically testing them to see if they would tell the truth. And they said the silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another over who amongst them is the greatest. Who's the greatest? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest of them all? John said, I am. James said, I can't touch this. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Can't touch it. Mm -mm -mm." Who's the greatest? Not knowing that Jesus had something for them. And they were not expecting this. So the background continues, James and John, they were basically asking to be a part of Jesus' kingdom from a carnal perspective. In other words, when the scripture says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, it is saying you need to be spiritually minded and not carnal. But they had their minds on something else. Jesus proposed a question to both of them, asking if they would be willing to drink the cup. Because, see, what they thought was, okay, Jesus is going to go in Jerusalem. He's going to conquer Jerusalem. He's going to become king of kings and lord of lords, which was true. But they got the carnal part mixed up with the spiritual part. And how often do we get carnality mixed up or confused with what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church? Hmm, somebody said all the time. So the response after Jesus asked them, he said, like, wait on, h- hold up, cuz, can you, <laughs> can you, can you really? do you really think that you, or do you really know what you're asking? Are you willing to drink this cup which entails the suffering and even death? And you know what they said? Their response was, yes, we can. Read it, it's in the book. Can, we can. But I added yes. Yes, we can. And what they also failed to realize is that eventually, Brother James would be the first martyr of the disciples. They would stone him to death for the gospel. and john they would ball him in awe, but it didn't kill him and he would spend the rest of his life on the island of patmos until his dying days so what jesus was telling them he was like hey you are really going to drink of this cup you don't know yet but keep living Keep preaching this gospel. In other words, my sisters and brothers, we are going to have persecution as Christians. You know, I can remember as a kid when I accepted Jesus Christ at the age of 16 as my personal Savior. And you know, I came from a Pentecostal background, so it was hell and brimstone. You're going to go to hell if you don't get it right. Boy, they scared the hell out of me. So I came to Jesus trembling. But as I began to have a relationship versus religion. See, religion keeps you bound. It keeps you in bondage. But when you have a relationship, I am free. Praise the Lord, I'm free. No longer bound. No more chains holding me. My soul is resting and is it it is indeed a blessing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm free. If you're free, clap your hands. And so he goes on he says, "Yes, you will drink of my suffering, and you will be baptized with the baptism." And the, voc- the vocabulary of baptism was used to speak of being overwhelmed by disaster. That's what it meant, or danger. And so James and John, they desired to have position. And status revealed that they didn't know the nature of Jesus yet. But the church isn't to operate the way the world does. Say this with with me we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're supposed to be the light of the world. Now ask your neighbor are you the light? How's your light looking? If we're going to make America great again, I want to know Christians, how are our lights looking? Mm, What'd you say? Come on, she said, "Come on, that sister been to a brother church." (laughs) So whoever desires. To become great among you shall be your servant. So Jesus kind of threw a monkey wrench in. He was like, okay, you want to be great? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, we can. We want to be great. (laughs) You want to be on my right hand? Yeah, yeah. Right hand, right hand. You want to be on the left? Yeah, I want to be on your left hand. John, James, guess what? What, John? We got this, man. (laughs) We got it. And Jesus said, yeah, you got it. You're going to get it. Stay tuned. (laughs) So whoever desires to become great among you, he said, shall be your servant. What are you talking about? What do you mean, servant? They're supposed to be serving me. We, that's why we wanted to be over your right hand. We didn't want to take your seat because we want you in the middle, but I want to be on your right and I want to be on your left. And that way we can have people serving us, and we not. We are not going to serve them. You know, when I ran for sheriff, the Lord gave me a slogan to put on my car. And those of you, whenever you see that sheriff's car, that black and gold car that has sheriff on it, it's not coming to get you, so don't get scared. Don't run. But I want you to take a look at what's on that car, our little motto. It is serving our community. Now, you got to catch the spiritual piece on that. Because I based it off of this scripture, I did not come to be served, but I have come to serve. I tell folk all the time, I'm not the sheriff, by the way. He's the sheriff. He's the high sheriff. Yeah, you can clap on that one. He's the high sheriff. I'm just the chief deputy. I tried to get my instructions from him. And it's so funny because when I initially ran for sheriff, you know, and I'm going to cut this short, but I'm going to tell you, one of the reasons I ran for sheriff, and, and, and I'm not going to tell you who it was, but but we're talking about racial reconciliation also and how we have to be a light in spite of darkness and in spite of what people say to you or about you. But when I became a deputy sheriff and I was interviewing for a deputy sheriff, my last interview, the person sat me down in the chair. And he said, sit down, boy, I got something to tell you. But boy, I was trying to see if somebody was behind me. But he was talking to me. And so he, the, the interview proceeded, and then one of his last questions, he said, Boy, what would you do if somebody called you a nigger? Now, there was a part of me that wanted to put this five-fold hand ministry on him. And I was well and able to do it. But the Lord said, hold your peace. The battle is not yours. But the battle is mine. And he said, I want you to run for sheriff. I said, Lord, I can't run for sheriff. I don't look like them. I don't have any money. And I could hear the Lord saying, son, I would never give you vision without provision. You can clap on that one. I would never give you vision without provision. And so I began to run, and the Lord said, I want you to run your campaign." I want you to run it on Joshua 1 and 8. This book of the law shall not depart from out of your mouth, but in it you will meditate day and night and observe to do what I have commanded you to do. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just showing you when you do it God's way, the Redeem of the Lord will say so. And so, 2000, we won it. We're still talking about humbling ourselves because even after I won it, I, I didn't go around and go, "See, I told you. <laughs> I told you I Told y'all. <laughs> Messing with me." And the Lord specifically said, he said, the same thing that got you in there is going to keep you. And I say, what's that, Lord? He says, stay humble. Because if you stay humble, he will exalt. We don't have to worry about trying to get ourselves like James and John trying to say, I want to sit on the right hand. I want to sit on the left hand. Put it in Jesus' hand. And when you put it in his hand, his hand is better than all state. <laughs> he's better than state farm, just like a good neighbor, he's better than state farm. He'll get you there. So, God's view of greatness starts from within. Ask God to show, ask God to show and help each of us to become a better spouse, parent, relative, neighbor, co-worker, citizen, and leader. I just wonder what would happen if we asked God to help us be a better spouse, men. You know, and I can talk about me. You know, my wife, we've been married for 34 years. I'm almost finished. 34 years. And I'm still in love and all shook up, by the way. <laughs> still in love. So for those of you all that are saying, hey, you know, you, uh, you know, you know, there's no, str- no strings attached now and people are not staying together, the devil is a lie. If that, if that marriage is built on Jesus Christ, you will be together until death does your part. And if you just so happen to mess up, that's all right, too, because his grace is sufficient. And he's God of a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. That's him. He's not like us. We judge and, you know, we get home and go, man, did y'all hear about Sally Sue and George? They got divorced when your marriage is on the verge. Uh Uh-oh, y'all done stepped on some toes. Now let me keep going. So think more highly of others than we do ourselves, realizing that we are all different. Yet we are all precious in God's sight. And that we can accomplish more together in harmony than we can apart and divided. A divided house can't stand, but unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. So, what is true greatness according to God's kingdom? Number one greatness does not lord over others. In other words, when you think you've made it, don't think you're better than somebody else. And I'm going to tell you, you know, racism is still alive and well. How many will will agree with me that it's alive and well, if you be honest? And the ones that don't raise your hand, I'm going to start casting out demons. (laughs) You know, even as share, if I have even experienced racism, even as share. As a matter of fact, just last week, my wife and I, we were in Savannah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I I just like to grow a beard and just wear something that doesn't look like I'm a sheriff and just walk in. (laughs) Y'all ought to try that sometime. (laughs) But y'all have to put a hood on. Y'all didn't get it. (laughs) So we were walking in, and, you know, and everybody's not like this. Don't get me wrong, because there are some When we walk in, we're talking about still greatness. If we are going to be a great kingdom, a great nation, we've got to talk about the issues. We've got to stop raking them in and having a meeting and ain't nothing getting accomplished. But we've got to peel that onion back and get to the root of the problem to see what's going on, and then we need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to ask the Lord to create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit. And then and only then will we see us really, truly coming together as a nation. But back to Savannah. Bloop, bloop. So my wife was walking in, and you know it's a very upscale, upscale store. And as soon as she came in, the lady started following her. You know my wife is a, a beautiful woman. Now, I mean, she—I I think I, I think I dress her pretty good. <laughs> but anyway, the lady was following her around, and and you know, she was just. Made my wife feel really, really uneasy because it was like my wife was thinking that I'm not going to steal anything, lady. But it's that stigma. It's that perception that, hey, if that one steals, all of them steal, and that's not the case. So we can't judge a color, the cover of a book by its color. Get to know me because the word says with all thy getting, get understanding. Because let me tell you something. If you don't understand, you'll misunderstand every time. So under means submit. Stand means point of view. So when you submit to my point of view and how I see things, then we can see. But otherwise, we are blind. And we see what we want to see. So, we, we're talking about greatness and, and trying to make America great again. In order for us to make America great again, in my opinion, and according to Scripture, is that what we have to do, we've got to humble ourselves. We have to repent. We have to love our neighbors As we need to congregate like this, I mentioned it to Pastor Travis. I say, what would happen if a black church would just shut their doors down for the Sunday and just come over here and fellowship? What would happen? What would happen if we shut a church dying on the east side and say, Look here, we're coming over to Pastor Travis Church so that we can get to know each other. I just wonder what would happen. I can tell you what will happen. You'll begin to see Athens turn around. You'll begin to see crime rate decrease. You'll begin to see people looking at you at a different light and saying, Hey, Don't you talk about my share, because I know he's saved and sanctified. He ain't perfect, but I know he loves the Lord. Or I say, don't you talk to Pastor, don't you talk about my Pastor Travis. Because the flesh will come out for a minute, because I can repent later. Oh, no, I am just saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so have we forsaken our first love? Let's ask ourselves that question. Revelations 2, chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 declares, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did first. I can remember and I still choose to believe that that money, that that thing on the back of our money that says in God we trust, I pray that we will get back to the point that we really truly believe that it's even on our money. It's not in money we worship or in money we trust, but it is in God we trust. Repent and do the things you did first. What did we do first? Can you remember the first time when you, when you accepted Christ? You were so excited You loved him. You couldn't wait until the doors opened. You had the Jesus smile on, that big Jesus smile. And then as you begin to to get older and mature instead of growing, that Jesus smile turned into a frown. And you're going, what's going on? What's going on? So let's challenge each other this week. Here's the challenge. Let's challenge each other this week to find ways to please God in our home, on our job, in our community, and in this great country. Because I'm going to tell you, it is still the greatest country in the world. Come on, somebody say something about that. It is still the greatest country. I would not, I would rather be in the United States of America than any other country in the world because this nation was found on God. That's why on the back of the money it says, in God we trust. And if we really embrace that and get back on our knees, because I put this picture up for a reason, if Jesus can get on his knees and pray for our nation, what's our problem let's challenge each other the bible is a great place to start and our hearts and minds and spirits are great are great places to initiate change and unity for the love of god and for the love of mankind and in closing second chronicles one of my favorite verses if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. How many of you want our land healed? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when we get to this point, we can then see the unity. Red, yellow, black, or white, they're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves us all. There's only one race, and that's the human race. And I thank God created the blood that runs in our vein, red for a reason. We all bleed red. If I have the same blood type that Brother Travis have, and if he's in need of a blood transfusion, I don't think Brother Travis is going to go say, what color are you? <laughs> That's right. He's going to say, bring the blood on, brother. And when we do that, we can truly be a nation that can say without a doubt, in God we trust, making America great again. Thank you very much. God bless.
0: Yeah, okay. We'll have uh, the worship team come on up here. We want to have an opportunity to respond during this time. We, we If you need prayer for anything, if you want to just come down here and, and tell the Lord, Lord, I want you to use me. Use me in my community to make it look like heaven on earth. Because just like what Sheriff Ira was saying, heaven looks like all nations, all tribes, all tongues, worshiping the same Father. We all have one Father, one Lord, one baptism, one faith, and so that's what heaven looks like. And we, and, and Jesus said, "Pray that His kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven." So let's stand up again. This is the opportunity to respond. Our board, if our ministry team. If you'll come down here. I feel like there's some of you this morning where you just, you, you need to, uh, you know, I got saved when I was nine, and when I tell my testimony, I said, when I was 23, I surrendered. Because I understood over the course of the years, Jesus showed me what it meant to be a Christian, and it meant a life that surrendered and submitted to his leadership, to his, to his goodness, and so I feel like there's some of you here, you need, to, you need to surrender. You need to fully surrender to the Lord. And all it is is your confession to the Lord is like, I, I, I want to submit my life to you. You don't have the power over anything. There may be strongholds in your life. There may be addictions, and you, you're trying to shake them. But it's going to take surrender to the one who can break it. You can't break anything. You need the Lord. Uh, he needs to be over your life. It's just like the Lord set me free from pornography when I was 23 because he said, Travis, I won't give you any freedom until you give me all of you. So he wants all of you. There's no neutrality with Jesus. You're either for him or you're against him. you either submitted to him or you're not. And he's a good, good father. The devil tries to paint a picture of him as a joy kill bad father who's just waiting for you to step out of line but he is the one who's actually waiting when you step out of line that's who he is so I want you to get this is opportunity to respond to the Lord if you want to come down here and just pray at the altar say Lord I want to submit my life to you use me to bring reconciliation and it says that God's in the ministry of reconciliation if you want to pray for physical healing Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever he healed every manner of sickness and disease so we want to pray for that if you just need somebody to agree with you in prayer we'd love to do that but let's worship during this time during this song is the time to come down and receive ministry